Have you had a good morning so far? Have you had a good Father's Day so far? Amen, amen, amen. It's been a good day. Uh, I'm excited because we are, we have this citywide serve day coming up on July the 14th where we go all over our city serving in different, uh, different capacities. Uh, we mow lawns for people. Uh, we work with Habitat for Humanity. Uh, we are doing a project for Justice Elementary this year. Uh, and then there's some other things as well that beginning, I think, next week, we're going to be having all that information available where you can, you can decide what team you want to be on for that day. And we're encouraging 100% participation, if at all possible. We can make, we can make, we say it a lot of times, one person can make a little bit of an impact, but 200 people can make a huge impact in our city if we're all serving on one day all over our city. And so we're excited about that. And we're going to continue our series today that we have called Snapshot. And what we've been doing is we've been looking at different areas of our lives and different areas of our faith and Christianity and trying to better understand what those areas mean because if if you didn't grow up in church or maybe you did grow up in church or you've been a Christian for 30 years or 30 days we all have those moments where we stop and we think what does that really mean what is that what is that all about I don't really get that I've heard that growing up in church I've, we've used that word but what does that word even really mean and so today we're going to continue that series and I want to catch us up just really fast I'm going to run through these and uh, and just catch us all up to speed in week one we talked about the Holy Spirit. We answered the question, first of all, do we need the Holy Spirit? And the answer is yes, we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we talked about what the Holy Spirit does for us, who he is to us, that he's our helper, that he's our friend, that he's our God. And if you're not afraid of, of God the Father and you're not afraid of Jesus, then why should we have any reason to be afraid of the Holy Spirit? And we also looked that week at, and we said that the Holy Spirit is not weird. That if you, you've heard this for a few weeks now, but if you've seen somebody do something weird and, 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 it was, and they said it was the Holy Spirit, it doesn't prove that the Holy Spirit is weird. It proves that sometimes people are weird. It proves that sometimes people do weird things that we don't understand or we don't get, but it doesn't mean the Holy Spirit is weird. And then in week two, we talked about how we all have the tendency to be a control freak. Do we have any control freaks in the building today? Come on, somebody. We all have a tendency to want to control our lives, to control what we do and where we go and how we do it and, and who it's with and all those things. And we were talking that week about how we can stop doing the things that we don't want to do and start doing the things that we want to do. Because there are some things when we, when we receive Jesus, we have these new desires like, I want to serve Jesus, I want to, I want to do what he's, what he's asking me to do, but for some reason I keep doing things that I don't want to do, and I can't seem to ever do the things that I want to do. And we gave you two practical steps to take to start heading in the right direction with that, and the first one was this, stop living not to do something. When you live not to do something, you usually end up doing it. And a lot of times we end up justifying doing it because our focus is so on that thing that we don't want to do that we end up giving in and doing it anyway. And then the second thing we said is we need to give up control. We're all have a, we all have a tendency to be control freaks from time to time and we need to give up control of our lives to the Holy Spirit who wants to lead us and guide us. And then in week three we talked about a familiar phrase uh, if you've been in church for a minute is the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. And a lot of times we have this misconception that when we receive Jesus and, and, and all of that, that 
this fruit just comes into our lives. And so I, I receive Jesus today, and then tomorrow morning when I wake up, I just have joy. And I'm super patient. <laughs> and I'm gentle with everybody and kind with everybody, and y'all are smiling at me because you know that when you gave your life to Jesus, you didn't wake up on Monday morning and have all this patience and all, you know, all this stuff. It's because the Scripture says it's what the Holy Spirit produces in you. Production is a process. If anything's going to be produced, you can't snap your fingers and it happens. It has to go through a process. And we talked about that process that the Holy Spirit plants a seed in you, that he wants to grow that seed in you, but it also matters what you water it with, what you pour on it. Come on, you can walk outside to your garden and you can pour water on it, and if you do that enough times, it'll begin to grow. Or you can walk outside and pour Dr. Pepper on your plants and wonder why in the world are my plants not growing. It's because it matters what you say. It matters what you do. It matters how you live your life. And then the last thing was that he pushes out the old. Eventually the new that the Holy Spirit is producing in you will push out the old stuff that's in your life that you don't want anymore. And then last week we talked about honor. We discovered three different people groups that, that we should show honor to, that we're called to show honor to. The first one was to honor God, to honor authority, and to honor each other. And today I want to talk to you on this subject, and next week we're going to next week we're going to conclude this series. I'm excited about what God's given me to share with you next week, so you'll want to be here for that for sure. And then in two weeks we're beginning a series that we're calling At the Movies. At the movies, and we're going to take movies and pull some principles out of those movies and things that we can learn, and it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to have some different elements to the service and things like that. So you'll want to be here for sure beginning July 1st as we begin at the movies. But today, as we continue in our series snapshot, I want to talk to you on the subject, the concept of community. The concept of community. And the reason I've titled it The Concept of community is because a lot of us, if you've been going to church here for a little bit, you know that we talk a lot about community. We believe in community. We believe it's important. But it's one thing to hear it, and it's another thing to really understand why I need community. It's one thing to hear, oh, that's good. I love whew, vision of the church, whew, community. Let's all be in community together. It's another thing completely to understand it and grasp it and put it into practice. And so today we're going to talk about the concept of of community, and hopefully we'll better understand it by the end of this message today. And as we get started, I want to ask you some questions, and I'm just going to go through these questions and read them as I've put them down here on in my notes, but I want us to find ourselves, I believe that after we get through probably the first two or three, we're all going to find ourselves in one of these situations, or we've been here before, we understand what what we're talking about, and so I want you to find yourself in one of these questions today. Here's the first one. Have you ever been hurting or struggling in life, and the only person who knew about it was you? Have you ever been struggling or in a difficult season or something is hurting inside of you, and the only person that knew about it was you? The only person that knew how you were feeling was you. Or have you ever been dealing with thoughts in your mind about Things you don't want to be thinking about, and the only person who knew it was you. You're processing things in your mind, and you don't want anybody else to know what you're processing in your mind. You don't want, maybe you're even ashamed of the thoughts that are going through your mind, and so nobody else knows what you've been thinking except for you. Nobody else knows what's going on 
in you except for you. Or maybe you've heard about, um, even here recently for sure, but within the last five or six years as well, these famous people in our world who would appear like they have it all together and are enjoying life and they got the big house, they've got a car for every day of the week, come on somebody, and they seem like they've got it all together and I can't imagine how those people would be struggling mentally with thoughts and emotions and depression and different things like that and then we, we, we see it on the news and hear about it of these people that, that we think have it all together and then they end up ending their life because nobody knew what was going on inside of them nobody knew what was nobody knew what was going on in their mind nobody knew what was going on in their heart nobody nobody knew how they were hurting on the inside nobody knew or what about what about the people you know even even locally or or let's take it even further than that what about the person in Washington that we don't even know about that we don't even know their name but right now they're struggling in this area right now they're struggling with their thoughts and they're struggling with with what is this all about and they're struggling with am I ever going to get out of this they're struggling with is it ever going to get better what about the person in Maine that we don't know that they're struggling with the same thoughts as well what about all these people that we don't know and chances are you could you could look to your right or to your left today and what if I told you that the person that was on your left or the person that was on your right was struggling and you didn't even know it? What if you looked to the person next to you and thought, this person could be struggling and I don't even know it? And we don't know it because a lot of times there's fear and there's shame and we don't want to share what is going on in our thoughts and what's going on in our mind and what's going on in our hearts. And so we come into church or we come to an event or we come to an activity or, or something like that and people ask us how we're doing and our response is always the same. Well, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Oh, just busy. Just living life. Just doing all that. And all along, we don't really know what might be going on on the inside of somebody that we come into contact with. Come on, we're talking about the concept of community. The concept of community. Have you ever felt like you were the only person dealing with what you were going through? Like, I'm the only one that, I can't share this with anybody because I'm the only one that's, that's feeling this way. I'm the only one that's going through this. I'm the only one who's struggling in this area. I'm the only one who, 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 who does that. I'm the only one, and you feel like you're all alone, and if you were to tell somebody, they would look at you sideways because nobody else deals with what you deal with. And I don't know about you, but I think that it might be time for the church, and I'm not talking about just Impact Church, but I'm talking about the capital C Church, to start talking about the things that the enemy is using to kill, steal, and destroy. And we don't talk about it because it's not comfortable. But not talking about it is not helping the situation. We don't talk about it because, well, Everybody, we just need to make people feel comfortable and all that. And I hope that you feel comfortable in this church. I hope that you love coming to church here. I love that you, you meet a lot of new people. I hope you make new friends. I hope that all that happens. But at the same time, 
we've got to talk about the things that the enemy's using to kill, steal, and destroy in our lives. Because if we don't, and we don't bring light to it, then he still has authority in that area. So we need to talk about it. We need to talk about it. And what if I told you, what if I told you that there's a way to fight back against the tactics and the schemes of the enemy? If you were sitting here today and you were struggling with something in your life, whether it be mentally, physically, whatever it is, what if I told you that in that area there is a way, there are some things that you can do to help pull you out of where you are or to help get you through where you are because sometimes God just doesn't deliver you from whatever it is. Sometimes you work and you process through it and then you come out on the other side of it. But what if I told you that there were some things you could do to help to help that situation and how you're feeling? Would you do it? Would you do it? Just ask yourself, like, would I do, if there was something I could do to get out of this 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 darkness or to get out of this depression or to get out of this whatever it is, would I be willing to do it? And I believe there is a way that we can fight back. And I want to start in Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to read three verses. That's all we're reading today. But I want to talk about each verse individually and how it applies to our lives and how it has something in it that if we'll put it into practice, it will help us. If you'll put it into practice, it'll help you. And so you may have heard these three verses before, but it's verses 23 through 25, and this is what it says. You can follow along on the screen behind me. It says, Let us hold firmly to the hope we claim to have. The one who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we can stir up one another to love. Let us help one another to do good works. Let us not give up meeting together. Some are in the habit of doing this. Instead, let us cheer each other up with words of hope. Let us do it all the more as you see the day coming when Christ will return. Now this past week, I've read these three verses before many times. I've heard these verses before. I've heard messages on these verses before. The one thing this last week that stood out to me that I have known was there, but, but didn't jump off the page like it did to me this last week, was the very end of verse 25, where he, he, he lists these things, and then at the very end he says, let us do it all the more as you see the day coming when Christ, Christ will return. Let me put it in my translation. Do these things more often the more the time goes on. Do these things more often. Je every day, it's talking about when Jesus comes back. How many of you know every day we're closer to when Jesus is coming back? Every day we're getting closer. So that means every day I need to be doing these things more and more and more and more. It means that it's been another week, I need to do these things more. It's been another month, it's been another year, I need to do these things more. In other words, the author who wrote this is encouraging us and telling us that there are some things that we need to do more and more as time goes on. And these things that we're talking about today should be things that we are more intentional about tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Come on, you got to be intentional to do what I'm about to share with you to do. And I want you to write these down. So what are the things that are so important in this passage that we should make them more of a priority every single day? Here's number one. Don't 
lose hope. Don't lose hope. I don't know what you deal with. I don't know what your life looks like. I don't know what your week looks like. I don't know what your relationships look like. I don't know what your marriage looks like. I don't know any of that about you personally. But I believe God sent me here to tell you, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. See, the enemy is trying to kill, steal, and destroy. And one of the tactics that he's using is to make us feel like there is no hope. That what I'm going through is always going to be what I'm going through. And I'm never going to get on the other side of it. I'm never going to make it through it. It's never going to get better. There's no hope for me, so I just need to deal with it or figure out some way to deal with it. He's trying to convince us that we don't have any hope. That we don't have any hope. Verse 23, it says, Let us hold firmly to the hope we claim to have, the one who promised is faithful. The one who promised is faithful. And what the enemy will do is he plants thoughts in our minds like this. How many of you have thought these or said these even out loud? Well, I'll never be able to get past this. Well, this is just the story of my life. There's just no hope for me. I guess everyone is against me. No matter what I do, I can't seem to get ahead. He plants these thoughts in our, in our hearts and in our minds that there is no hope. And you should just stop trying because you're never going to get to the other side. And it's a scheme and a tactic of the enemy. But we serve a God who is hope. Our God is hope. Are you hearing me? There's always hope. In God, And I love how this, this translation says to hold firmly to hope. To hold firmly. Has anybody ever been tubing? <laughs> if I'm on the boat and you're getting on the tube and you're grabbing a hold, what am I going to tell you? You better hold on tight. <laughs> you better hold on tight. Why would I tell you that you need to hold on tight? Because I'm about to try to throw you off this thing. So you need to hold on tight. You need you need better get a good grip on what you're grabbing a hold of because I'm about to try to throw you off. And if you don't have a good grip, you're going to face plant in the water and it's going to hurt. <laughs> why would why would the writer of Hebrews tell us to hold firmly to the hope that we claim to have? It implies that there's a reason why we need to grab a hold of the hope that we have. That when I'm in the light and things are going good, I better grab a hold of the hope so that when the valley comes and when the hard time comes and when the trial comes, that I have something that I have already grabbed a hold of that I can't be convinced that there is no hope because I have been holding on to hope all along the way. Come on, is anybody with me at 11.15? We got to grab a hold of the hope that we claim to have. We got to hold on to it tightly. 
Because there are things and situations coming where we're going to need that hope. We're going to need it. I love, uh, I love the, the, the rest of this verse where it goes on and it says that you need to grab, you need to hold on tightly to the hope that you claim to have. And then it goes on and says that God is faithful. <laughs> you need to grab a hold of the hope that you know is in Jesus. And remember, God is faithful. Remember, when you're holding on, that God is faithful. He's always faithful. And how many of you know there is a real enemy called the devil who is trying everything he knows to take you out? He's trying everything he knows to take you out. He, it's very clear. It says the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but God came, Jesus came, he sent his son to come so that we could have life, and not just life, but life to the fullest. So we can have life to the fullest, and God is always faithful. We just have to grab a hold of the hope. Come on, some of us today, we just need to grab a hold of hope again. That there's hope that I'm going to get through this. I have hope in Jesus that he's going to see me through. I have hope that it's not always going to be this way. I have hope. Come on, is anybody thankful that we serve a God that we can grab a hold of in times when times are bad? And remember, there's always hope. There's always hope. There's always hope. God is faithful. He's faithful through every storm. He's faithful through every trial. He's faithful through every addiction. He's faithful through every loss, through every heartache, through every season that you go through. And I believe some of us today need to straighten our back a little bit and stand and declare that my hope is in God. When I walk out of here today, my hope is in God. When I wake up on Monday morning and nothing has changed around me, my hope is in God. When I'm waking up on a Wednesday or it's lunchtime on a Wednesday and work is still crazy like it's always been, my hope is in God. Come on, we got to get a hold of the hope that is in God so that it can see us through the hard times in our lives. Hope. Don't lose hope. Here's the second thing we see in these three verses. Number two, help each other. Don't lose hope and help each other. Hebrews 10:24, we read it and let's read it again. Let us consider how we can stir up one another to love. Let us help one another to do good works. Let us consider how we can stir up one another to love and let us help one another to do good works. Let us help one another. See, in, in his attempt to kill, steal, and destroy our lives, the enemy is trying to turn us against each other. And he's trying to convince us that, that he's trying to convince me that you're against me and that you're talking behind my back and that, well, we really aren't, I guess we weren't that close. He's trying to turn us against each other. And what does this look like? This could look like even you come into church on a Sunday and you walk in and the person that normally says hi to you didn't say hi to you. And so now you're offended. And now, well, I'm not saying bye to them whenever they leave. <laughs> because they didn't say hi to me whenever I came in. And now I'm offended. And the enemy is turning us 
against each other. You just don't know what they went. There might be a good reason why they didn't say hi to you. They may have had a terrible week and they're just trying to make it through and just trying to get to church so that they can get something and be around some people. And now we're offended at them because we think that they've done us wrong. Well, and now I know that, well, they were talking about me last week and now there's two other families in the church that they're talking to. So I know that all three of those families are against me. And so I don't know where I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do now because they're all, he's just, he's trying to turn us against each other. And I don't want to give him credit, but he's doing a pretty good job because we are so easily offended. Well, they didn't return my text. Well, they might have gotten 37 texts at one time and just didn't <laughs> overlook yours. It's not anything personal. It's not the end of the world. You know what I'm saying? Well, they were supposed to call me and they didn't call me. Well, they just forgot. Like, don't let the enemy convince you and turn you against somebody else. You may not, you may, you get all offended today and next Sunday you show up to church and they're just being friendly again and talking to you because their week's been better or, or God's seen them through something or, you know, they didn't just argue on the way to church that morning. And you're like, oh, I guess they weren't mad. (laughs) And now I just spent the last seven days being upset at somebody that I didn't have any business being upset at because I got offended because I let the enemy start trying to turn me against somebody else. He's trying to convince us that we're against each other. He's trying to turn us against each other. Last weekend I even mentioned this idea that that Christians in some regard have become the only army that shoots its own wounded. Somebody is hurting and we post about it. Somebody Somebody that's well known, something happens in their life and it's all over the news. And it's never good news. It's never, wow, we're just praying for so-and-so because they're going through a divorce and I know things are tough and we're praying. No. It's trying to dig into everything that was in their past and why they, oh, and they fought last Thursday and, oh, they did this or whatever and trying to figure out why they got divorced and how we can talk about them and how we can figure this all out. And we have, in some regards, become the only army in the world That when somebody is wounded or somebody is hurting or somebody is struggling, we kick them while they're down. When God is telling, he's trying to tell us the way that this works is when somebody is struggling and somebody is hurting and somebody needs some help in life, you reach out your hand and you pick them up and you help them through whatever they're going through because tomorrow you might be going through something and you need somebody to help you. We're called to help each other, not turn against each other. Come on, we got to recognize what the devil is trying to do. He's trying to convince us we don't have any hope. He's trying to convince us that somebody's upset with us. He's trying to turn us against other people that we used to be close to. He's trying to do all this stuff so that he can kill, steal, and destroy. And if we turn against each other, then we don't have each other for encouragement. We don't have each other to, to pick ourselves up. We don't have anybody in our life to, to, to tell us it's going to be okay. And God is saying to us today that we need to stir each other up to show love. That we need to help each other to do what is right. And whether we want to admit it or not, we need each other.
Come on, where are my introverted people at? <laughs> Whether we want to admit it or not, I ain't raised my hand. Whether we want to admit it or not, we need each other. We need each other. So don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Help each other. And here's number three. Be in community. Let me say it again. Be in community. You need to be in community with other people who are going the same direction you are going. You just do. And I know if you've been if you've been in Impact Church for a while, you're like, wow, we talk about community a lot. Yes, we do, because until everybody gets it, we're going to talk about it. Because we need community. It's in the Bible. They're trying to help us. Let's just read the verse. Verse 25 of Hebrews chapter 10. Let us not give up meeting together. Some are in the habit of doing this. Let me ask you a question. Are you in the habit of doing this? Are you, in the ha- are you a part of the some? Are you in the habit of neglecting community? Are you in the habit of neglecting meeting together? Are you wh- Where do you stand when we talk about this? Instead, let us cheer each other up with words of hope. Let us do it all the more as you see the day coming when Christ will return. And I have, I've, I've heard this statement before many times, and, or these statements. I'm just going to read a couple of them, and you can fill in the blanks with all kinds of statements that you may have said. I know that I've said that you've heard people say. But here's some of the things. Here's some of the ways that the enemy convinces us that we don't need this. Let me put it that way. Here's some of the ways, and here's some of the things that we say and that we think. Well, I don't need church to make it to heaven. I don't need church to make it to heaven. And you would be right. You don't. All you need is Jesus. You just need to receive what Jesus did for you on the cross, and, you, and you're on your way to heaven. So that is technically a true statement. I don't need church to make it to heaven. Here's another one. I don't need other people because I have Jesus. I don't need other, I don't need other people. I got Jesus. Just me and Jesus. Jesus and me. I think there was a song about that one time. Me and Jesus. I got me and Jesus. It's all I need is Jesus. Can I, can I let you in on a secret? These are schemes and tactics of the enemy for us to say things like, well, because here's what we're doing. We're justifying what we don't want to make time for what we don't want to do. And so so we say, well, I don't well, I don't we don't need church to make it to heaven. I mean, we're going to heaven, so we're good. Well, I don't need, you know, I got Jesus. So I don't really need, you know, you keep telling me to get around other people and you t- keep telling me to to get in relationship with other people, but I got Jesus and that's the only relationship that I need. Can I can I make a statement? And before I make this statement, don't get up out of your seat and walk out of here and go posting on social media. That Pastor Gabe made this statement until, because I'm going to make the statement and then I'm going to give you the context, okay? So you need to hear the statement and then I'm going to give you the context. Are you with me? Here's, here's the statement, and maybe you need to write this down. I think this is going to shock you. Could it be that Jesus is not the only person you need? 
And some of us were like, blasphemy. Jesus is the only person that I need in my life. Could it be that Jesus is not the only person that you need? And can I show you what I mean? In the beginning, God created everything, and he created man in his image. There is no sin in the world. There is perfect relationship with God. Adam has a perfect relationship with God, if you can imagine that. They talk all the time, decision-making all the time. He's being put in charge of all these things. Perfect relationship with God. And what does God say? It is not good that man should be alone. But wait a second, God. All I need is you. But it is not good for man to be. But wait a second, Jesus. Now all I need is a relationship with you, and I'm good. It is not good for man to be alone. We're talking about Adam in perfect relationship with God. And God's response is that it is not good for man to be alone. In other words, God is saying, I'm not the only relationship that you need. I am not the only, this is coming from God himself. I am not the only relationship that you need. You need other people. You need people around you. Jesus is all you need to get to heaven. But how many of you would agree that while you're going through life and life's ups and downs, it helps to have some friends? Jesus is all you need to get to heaven. That's a true statement. But man, when I'm going through life, it sure helps to have some people around me that can encourage me and help me through and see me through and have some friends to hang out with while I'm going through ups and downs in life. We believe in this so much as a church, we even kind of say it this way. Maybe you've heard this before, that you don't need a personal relationship. You don't just need a personal relationship with Jesus. You need a shared relationship with Jesus. When we go to God with our struggle, he brings light to the darkness. I want you to get this. I want you to get it because we got to get this. When we go to God, he brings light to the darkness. He illuminates it. But when we go to people, see, this is why it doesn't work to say that, well, all I need is Jesus to get to heaven. Yes. But in your life, I don't think it's designed that way. Because when you go to other people with your struggle and with life situations, they help you stay in the light. Because we have a tendency to go to God and he illuminates this stuff in our lives and we confess it and we get forgiveness and and that's all real. But why is it that we just start easing back over into darkness? Just one day at a time, one step at a time, we start easing back over in darkness and then we find ourselves over here where we didn't want to go back to, wouldn't it be helpful if there was somebody that could grab your arm and say, mm, you don't want to go back over there? Because we have memory loss a lot of times. We forget everything that happened in the dark 
and we get over here. Come on, this is what happened. The children of Israel in the Bible, they get delivered from slavery and bondage, and they're out of Egypt. And as soon as they get out of Egypt, it's like, well, did you just bring us out here to die? We'd be better off going back there. At least we had food and, and all this other stuff. Because we have this tendency when things get hard, we want to go back to what's comfortable. And wouldn't it be helpful to have some people around you that could grab your shirt tail? And try to keep you from going back. Ah, oh, you don't want to go back over there. You don't want to go back into that. You know, we've talked about this. You know, let's 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 do lunch Wednesday. Let's let's talk about it. Let's talk about what we're both going through. Let's talk about how you're feeling. Let's talk about how I'm feeling. Let's talk about and and, and it helps us stay in the light. We go to God to get the light on our situation, but we go to people to help us stay in the light. And we have busied our lives so much that we don't have time for the one thing that we need to help us stay in the light. I think busyness, I'm not saying busyness is bad. I think the enemy has taken busyness and used it to his advantage. Because now we're so busy that we can't be in community. And now we're so busy that I can't go to church. And now I'm so busy that I can't get in a group. And now I'm so busy that I can't serve. And now I'm so busy that I can't talk to that person or spend 10 minutes with them while they're struggling. And now I'm so busy. And busyness is not the enemy, but the enemy is using busyness to control us. He's using busyness to keep us from doing the things that God has put in place to help us through our life. And all he knows is if I can just keep them busy, if I can just keep them from making time to do that, if I could just make it to where, well, this is our priority, and if we have time, we'll fit that in. And it's a tactic that he's using to win the battle in our minds, and in our lives. And what does this mean for us as a church? What does this mean for us? We believe as a church that you being at church is important. Not because we want to count everybody every week and, you know, and all the, the stereotype things that, that we, you know, we put on churches a lot of times if you've grown up in church. It's not any of that. We believe church is important, that this is important because we're together in community, worshiping together, growing together, talking to one another, building on relationships. And then here's the second thing. We believe you being in a group is important. Because some of us, we have, we have the church thing down, but we don't have the group thing down. Well, I can do Sunday, but I can't do a Tuesday night. Well, I can do Sunday, but I can't do a Thursday night. Well, I can do Sunday, but my week is just so crammed. You know what I'm talking about? Just so busy. You know, every time you ask me what's going on, I'm like, just busy. Just busy. Things have just gotten so busy that I really just can't fit in one more thing. Why are we trying to fit in a principle that God wants to use to help us have life to the fullest? You ever thought about it that way? We're trying to fit things in that need to be priority over the things that we're already doing. And I'm not condemning you or, or talking. This is meant to be an encouraging message, so I'll smile at you. <laughs> it really is because if we can get this right, 
It changes everything. If we can figure this out, it changes everything. That being at church is important. It's one thing, man, and we're so grateful that we have technology where we can offer services online. You're out of town, you're on vacation, you can still tune in and catch the message, catch worship, still be at church. That's, that is incredible. And we're going to keep using it because I believe God wants us to keep using it. We're reaching more people for Jesus through technology. But there is nothing that can, that can replace being in the room with other people worshiping and talking and growing together. There's nothing that can replace that. There's nothing that can replace, you know, a church where a church of, of 200, 225 people getting in small groups. Getting in small, there's only so much community that can happen on a Sunday morning at 9.30 or 11.15. And we're going to be super intentional to give opportunity for community to happen, but you need more than that. I need more than that. I need to be in a group where I'm connecting with other people throughout the week. I need to be in another group. And I want to I want to share this because um, I'm excited about it. We're about, during the summer, we're taking a break from our iGroups and we're focusing on uh, what we're calling summer parties where we're getting, you know, everybody that wants to get together and, and we're having food and fellowship and all this at different locations throughout the summer. And our next one is next Sunday, so you need to put that on your calendar. Next Sunday evening, just for a couple hours, we get together and hang out and, and have a good time together, play games, things like that. But I'm excited about the, the last part of August when we launch into our fall semester of iGroups because we're restructuring iGroups completely. Because up until this point, it's been real real structured and, and, and study-based and things like that. And there are still going to be some study-based groups and, and groups that probably talk about the message from Sunday and how we can dive deeper into that. But here's, here's what we're doing. We're going to a completely free market iGroup structure. Let me tell you what that means. That means that anybody can lead a group. That anybody can lead a group. And there's going to be a, a link online where you'll be able to register what the group that you want to lead. You like, if you like reading books, start a group. Get people together that enjoy the same thing that you do and be in life, do life together. Do life together. You like riding your bike? That's one thing. Maybe, maybe you go like, well, we go once a week and we ride the trail or whatever. Start a group. There are other people that like the same thing or are passionate about the same thing, and you guys can get together, and for that hour or two hours, you know, we're just going to ride bikes together. We're going to talk. We're going to do life together. You like to eat? <laughs> Once a week. <laughs> How often do you want to do it? Get together with other people who like to eat <laughs> and start a group. You're passionate about prison ministry. Then, then, then register a group where people can, can find your group that, man, I, lo I love the idea of doing prison ministry. Let's get together and let's go do prison ministry. You get what I'm saying? A group can be about anything. We want it to be about doing life together and, and some Jesus. I mean, that's, like, that's the guideline. <laughs> do life together and be about Jesus. And it could be a curriculum that you're going through, or it could be we just get together and we like to bowl. 
And so there's five of us that every Tuesday night we get together and we go bowling and we share stories and we do life together and we're just in community together. And I'm telling you, I believe this is going to be a game changer for our church and I believe this is going to be a game changer for you and for me and our relationships and our community and everything that's going on. And I believe it's the direction that God is having us go with our I groups. So I'm asking you today, I'm going to bring the worship team back up. I'm asking you today to ask the Holy Spirit, are you asking me to start a group? Do you want me to start a group? And we can have as many groups as we have, as many groups as people that want to start a group, we can have them. And I'm excited about it because you'll register your group and this is the night of the week and we're going to do it every week or every two weeks or once a month. And this is what we're going to do and it's going to be this long on this night for this time. And, and this is how we're going to do child care or this is, you know, or, or, or we're going to utilize the, the child care on the night, which we'll get into that later. I'm not going to get into that right now. We don't have time to do all that. But wh- whatever, whatever that looks like for you and your group that you register that, and then everybody in the church will have a website that we that we can go to, and it'll probably be youreimpactchurch.com slash igroups to make it simple, and you can shop for a group. You just look through there and say, hey, this group meets on, we're, that night of the week works, works good for us, and we'll get together. We like to play. I had somebody tell me, uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago we were we were throwing this idea around and deciding that we were going to go this direction. I was talking to somebody about it, and they were like, what about a group that likes to play games? And I was like, yeah, I'll be at that one, <laughs> right, because I like to play games. Just get people together, and, man, we're, we're doing life together. We're in community together, and I'm telling you, it helps. It helps. You found yourself in one of these scenarios that we were talking about before before I got into the meat of the message, and you were like, yeah, if there was something I could do that would help me through this or help me help me handle this better or help me navigate these things or these tensions better, then I would do it. Well, let me ask you again. Now, in light of what it is that you need to do, are you still willing to do the things that God has put in place so that you can have life to the fullest, so that you can make it through what you're going through? So that you're not the only one on planet earth that knows what is going on in your mind and going on and how you're hurting and the things that are going on in your life. Because we need each other. We need each other. It's so important. We need each other. Will you stand to your feet today? I believe with all my heart today, on this day that God sent me here and he knew you would be sitting in the 1115 service at Impact Church for me to tell you, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. There is still hope for your situation. There is still hope for your relationships. There is still hope for your life. There is still hope for God's provision. There is still hope in your life. Don't lose hope. Help each other. Help each other. No, let's not turn against each other. Let's not be easily offended. Let's help each other through whatever we're going through. And let's be in community. Let's be in community. Let's worship together. These summer parties that we're doing, let's be there and let's have a good time together. That's what, come on, church should be fun, y'all. Yeah. Church, should be, church should be the most enjoyable hour, hour and a half of your week. When you get together with your group come this fall, it should be like, man, I cannot wait. For groups, I cannot wait. I cannot believe my group is only doing it every two weeks. Bless God. I want to. I'm going to talk to the leader. We need to do it every week because I want to be together more often. 
Church should be enjoyed. And it should be enjoyed with, with people around us in community. We're going to sing one final song. And I'm asking you, as we worship, I want to invite our prayer team to come down. If you need prayer for anything in your life, we invite you for prayer. We, we want to pray with you. We want to encourage you. We want to be there with you. It's not going to be anything weird, and everybody needs prayer. So don't let, don't let pride, don't let the thought of what somebody's going to think, oh, they're going for prayer. Well, they probably need prayer too. Everybody needs prayer. I need prayer. So if you have something specific that you want us to pray with you about, would you just come? during the, When the worship team begins this final song, would you just come and let us pray with you? Just let us pray with you. It'd be an honor for us to, to be able to pray with you. And if you're worshiping and you're not in need of prayer right now, I just ask you to, to just continue to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you asking me to do? Am I supposed to step out in this season and lead a group? Am I supposed to start a group? Uh, maybe he needs to prepare your heart to be a part of a group. Then in two months when we launch back into our fall semester of iGroups that, that you're ready and you're prepared and you know what's coming and, and you're making room for it right now so that you can be in community with other people. I don't know what that is, but the Holy Spirit will speak to you and tell you what it is that you need to do for you personally, for your relationship, for your marriage, for your family. So God, I thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence. God, we thank you for one more opportunity to worship you, to raise our hands, to sing to you. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every person today who needs prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.